Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. He took every fear and every uncertainty, fueled by many years of failed expectations, and then he gave us an enemy. And then he said, Papatayin ko yan. Para sa inyo, papatayin ko yan. Hello, ako po si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. In this episode of Teka Teka, we sit down with Patricia Evangelista, the author of the recently released book, Some People Need Killing. Patricia covered for Rappler, former President Rodrigo Duterte's war on drugs. Over six years, she spent days and nights documenting extrajudicial killings and then many more hours returning to victims' families, to speak with policemen and even assassins for hire. Some People Need Killing is published by Random House and it came out just a little more than a week before November 1 in Filipinos' observance of All Souls Day. But as Patricia shared with us in this interview, coincidence lang yun. Because among other things, she says, there is really no perfect time to release a book such as this. What was the original target for for publishing the book and coming out with it? I signed a one-year contract with Random House. So, pumirma ako 2019. Uh, ang sabi ko sa kanila, kahit alam na namin nakakasa na siya, pipirma ako ng mid-year 2019 kasi gusto ko tapusin yung midterm elections. So, from that point on, dapat within a year na submit ko na yung manuscript. That so I should have submitted 2020 around May. Obviously, ni nangyari yun. So you missed deadlines. That's it. I missed four deadlines. I think Trappler will tell you I am their slowest writer. Also because originally, hindi ko naman talaga pinlano na first person yung libro. Yung proposal ng libro, may preface na first person, pero assumption ko, reportage na lahat. Um, iba ang assumption ng Random House. And ang explanation din nila sa akin, itong libro, lalo na lalabas sa Amerika at sa ibang bansa, sobrang grim ng topic. So, kailangan mo nang hahawak ng kamay ng magbabasa hanggang sa dulo. Inevitably, that was going to have to be me. Um, sabi nila, First person dapat. Ako sobrang uncomfortable ako dun eh. So, it took, I think, another year, give or take, to find my voice in the aftermath. Plus, ang, you know, um, it's one thing to write in the first person even if you're reporting. Okay lang naman yun eh. Kaya siya. It's just a function of pronouns. Pero, hindi lang dapat yung, yung pronouns. Kailangan, I have to be able to tell them what it is to stand over a body. I have to give them a vignette of how it was, for example, to speak to families. Yung mga yun, wala yun sa initial na draft ng libro eh. So, 
I submitted the book a little before the 2022 elections. Ang kulang lang at that time was epilogue, yung ending. Sabi ko, intayin ko mangyayari sa election. Kahit alam ko naman mangyayari, kailangan ko makita. So, fact-checking was January. It took three months. Kasama dyan, many, many levels of, of, of rewriting sentences until it sounded good to my ear and it sounded good to my editor's ear. It was a very long, very complicated process. How pivotal was that? That the intended audience is not primarily Filipinos in the Philippines. That really was a factor because the things we know and the things that are generally considered context for us that we don't need anymore is context that's necessary writing for anywhere else. Um, I can't remember who was it who told me, but any book about the Philippines published anywhere else will have to be also an explainer about the Philippines. Not only did I have to show where the country came from, before they had to contend with the idea of Rodrigo Duterte, I had to also show where I came from because I was the person holding their hand across the book. And I come from a very particular upbringing at a very particular time. Because I was born in 85, eh, right after the revolution. So never ko naramdaman ng dictatorship, akala ko free yung press, marami akong paniniwalan, akala ko automatic sa demokrasya. Na hindi naman pala. I had to show the turn, but I also had to show that this wasn't an overnight thing. But I have to say, this would have given Filipinos who already have an understanding of the historical and cultural and even headline context, access, intimacy, and, and knowledge that they would not have gotten had you not written and processed all of this. They could tell the same general story, but not this way. The access that you share, I think, will make people realize that they don't actually know a lot of the last six years, even if they lived through it. Thank you for that. Oh, but that gulat ka ba dun? I hoped for it. I think one common reaction will be, I knew that, pero hindi ko alam yun. Ah, well put. Alam ko naman who I was writing for. Eh. I, in that, on a practical level, this is a, it's a global publisher. So, alam ko that there were requirements of me. But at the end of the day, Pinoy ako eh. So, ang gusto ko sana, magbasa, Pilipino. So, sana may mabigay ako na hindi nila nakita. And uh, I'm hoping that it articulate it, it articulate something that, that they may not have been able to articulate. Ang laki ng pribilehyo kasi nung ginawa ko eh, na silwerte ako, I had 90,000 words to figure out what was happening. And even if they didn't intend it, I also had five years to think about this. I, I'm glad you think that has the same, that, that effect in the Philippines kasi mahirap rin basahin dahil taga, taga dun tayo lahat eh. So, the, the advantage of, of, of what I was allowed to do was I could step back and not worry about the day-to-day of, oh, ano nangyayari ngayon? There were a lot of things that I think you illustrated really well. Um, the patterns and repetitions that you observed and that you highlight. Yes. I think that was very, very clear. But you also talk about 
words and language itself. You talk about the power of words. You talk about how history shapes words, but also how words themselves influence history and the direction of societies. Yes. Uh, for example, you talk about Laban and then how it is the root word of Nanlaban. It was there all along. And yet that kind of insight, they don't realize now, oh, no, yung Laban ni Ninoy is the root word for the Nanlaban ni Duterte. Um, yung Nanlaban to Laban, it, it came out on paper. Kailangan ko explain ano ibig sabihin ng Nanlaban. Ano na siya eh? It's a noun. It is a person na lumaban kaya pinatay. Pero nung because I'm explaining it in English, you have to go into into the weeds and figure out what what it implies. Nagsindira ko ng Yossi. Sabi ko sa nanggaling. And then, I, I, I think mentally I separated ng laban from yung laban sa kalye, yung nakataas yung letter L mo. Yung sinisigaw ng Edsa Revolution, yung sinigaw ng maraming ta- taon matapos nun. And then, nung nag-connect sa uta ko, get ko na siya. That the language of hope is the language of death. In, in, in the language of the drug war, resistance automatically means death. It is the noun for a dead man who fought. Do you think in English or Filipino? Huh. I think in English. I think. Uh, well, it depends. If I'm in conversation, tapos nag-uusap, at Tagalog kami nag-uusap, mag-iisip ako sa Tagalog. Uh, pero halo. Mm, but, but when you're alone? Uh, but when I'm alone, it's English. It is. Uh, I wish it wasn't, pero that's the language I grew up reading. Uh, when I read, yun lang. My, my choices are always happy endings, fairy tales, children's literature. Kasi lalo na, given my job, I, I try to avoid the grim and the sad in, in normal, everyday life. So, ang tendency kasi ng Philippine literature then, it's, it's, it's really happy. So, which is why most of my reading list is, is, is in English. How, how different would it have been and what difference would it make if this were written not for an international audience? Huh. That's a question I never thought about, actually. Um, certainly, maraming moment na hirap ako sa translation. Kasi kahit yung ano lang, kahit yung kalma lang sa kalye na yung pag kinausap ka na ng polis, sinabi pare. Or narinig mo tinatawag isa't isa na pare. Paano mo translation sa English? Pare. It's, it's the chillness of it. It's the calmness of it. Pag yung mga conversation, yung mga vigilante, pag lumipat ka ng English, are they talking of, of their fellow killers as colleagues? Dude. It's the sort of complicated intimacy that I cannot quite translate into English that I don't think I was successful with, but it's as good as I could get. In one part of the book, a policeman puts you in an awkward position and then he tells you, magkaibigan naman tayo, di ba? Trish, magkaibigan naman tayo, di ba? I only realized now that 
that's not actually what I I read because I read the English version of it. Mm-hmm. I read the English translation, and yet that voice was very clear to me. I I heard it. Narinig ko yung voices niya. Pat Trish, makibigid naman tayo, de ba? I mean, to your point, young friend, you you capture that. Pare, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. That becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. What? What else? Ano pa? What else was hard to translate? Astig. Mahirap siya i-translate. <laughs> Kasi if i-google mo lang ang astig, ang lalabas sa'yo, tough guy, or rough, or uh, there, there are other words for it. Pero you don't just look at the meaning, you look at it, you look at the meaning in terms of the sentence it's in. So, that's one of those. Um, mm, teka, so, uh, teka, teka. So, so ano pihili nyo? Badass. Badass. Yes. What else? Ano pa? Um, meron akong interview. Siyempre, dumaan kami sa fact checker. Ang translation ko, son of a bitch. Ang rinig ko kasi putang ina. Pero, ang trabaho ng fact checker ko, papakinggan yung original na audio, itatranscribe, titingnan if off yung translation ko. So, nung binalikan, pat hindi naman... Hindi naman putang ina yung sabi. Kasi your lowest bar for putang ina is son of a bitch. Minimum yun. Ang sabi ng police, puki ina. Hindi uh, ko alam gagawin uh, ko, min. Meron akong chat group. Mga makata, mga nobelista, mga ganong bagay. So, binato ko yung actual, yung original. Yung linya is, puki ina kahit pamasahe nga wala sila eh. So, ang salunong isa, motherfuck. Hindi motherfucker, motherfuck. Yung isa, na yun yung kinuha ko, for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. So, yung mga ganong bagay, yun yung alanganin sa libro. Or, ano lang, pare was really hard. What about the whole Duterte quote? Um, would, do you mind if I open the book for this? Um, nung sabi ni Duterte, nung namatay yung 32, There was one night, 32 people died in a single province on a single night na pinatay ng polis. The next morning, akit siya sa podium sa balakan niyang, sabi niya, again, dad. So, the next morning, those of us who were following the war or mga ibang beat reporter, nung pinost yung story, even ako, sa personal page ko, nung pinost, translation ko, that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. And I remember that moment kasi... Uh, may nag-comment doon sa comment section ng, ng Facebook page ko na, wait, asan bayag nyo? Na, hindi naman niya sinabi, good yan eh. Sinabi niya maganda yan. But don't get it, let it get lost in the translation. And it stayed with me for years. Kasi I was still... Mm, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you were blunting. Well, personally, it felt like blunting to me. In the aftermath, I felt guilty about that. That's why I play with Ginagapit it. talaga maganda for for good. Yes. Hindi lang hindi lang maganda. I mean, not just beautiful. You do use maganda to say good. Mm, as in, okay, okay yan. Mm-hmm. Ayos yan, mga bata. Tuloy nyo lang yan. Maganda yan. I had to get deep into it. And then I, 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 I ran through every possible variation of whenever the president said anything was maganda. Ganda yan. Tumanda ba o maganda? Patay, patay naman lahat, pero maganda. 
So words and language was a very, very uh, clear factor in your narrative. Also, the stories were driven by relationships, right? Relationships abruptly ended, rudely interrupted. But also relationships that gave you astonishing access. And yet these were also relationships that were invoked mm-hmm. from time to time. They were also played against you, as in the case of that policeman who placed mm-hmm. the KBN card. Talk about how complicated those relationships that you developed were, mm-hmm. whether they were with victims or with perps. In the drug war, every relationship was always going to be fraught. Now, there's a different power dynamic that everyone is a possible source. And in my head always, dahil these are particularly traumatized people or particularly dangerous people, I knew I would always be looking to consent. Alam ba nila kung sino ako? Meaning, alam nila na journalist ako. Pag sinabi kong libro to, get ba nila? Pag sinabi ko, like some of the stories were done while I was in Rappler. So, um, alam ba nila na lalabas to online? Naiintindahan ba nila yung risk? Teka muna, pa- paano ka nga ba magpakilala? Well, marami dun sa mga story, ah. Malapit na ako. I mean, I, I, I was close to them during, in, in the aftermath of the crime scenes because sometimes I, I would continue to cover... Uh, stories even after malabas ko sa Rappler. Sometimes, sometimes gusto mo lang makiramay. Pero other times you're thinking, okay, uh, roll a recorder, introduce yourself as a journalist, and then it is possible it might be a story at some point. And marami naman kaming nagko-hover eh. So marami kami na, who, who did the same thing? Na, na, na may access ka, na nakilala ka na nila, nakita ka nila sa crime scene. So, kung may tiwala, may tiwala. Kung wala, then walk away. Sometimes you're lucky that people trust you enough na you can have that conversation. Pero across the war, it was touch and go for a lot of the relationships. You are putting on a persona in front of a cop because you have to be always braced for something to happen. Or withdraw yung relationship. Or pipitikan ka at some point. Kaya it felt like across the war, I was walking through a tightrope. Speaking of walking a tightrope, when you describe scenes where you're walking to, for example, police station one, or you go through an alley, as you said, you walked over to a station. Are you alone? Are you literally alone in that scene? Uh, no, very often hindi. Kasi the night shift operated in a pack. Uh, minsan, pagbabalik sa mga... Pagbabalik, I was working with another photographer during the drug war. Or uh, sometimes it's a filmmaker I know. Or sometimes it's a researcher. So, um, generally, I try not to be alone when I go to places. But were you ever alone in any of these situations? I'm trying to remember... I don't think so. It, it's it's uh, SOP din yun eh, protocol din yun eh. Uh, kung wala talagang pwede sumama, uh, um, it's whoever is driving the car. Pero you make sure na yung kasama mo may experience din. Consenting din. Kasi delikado eh. 
there's a lot of things that you didn't necessarily intend, but you really also give some education about what it is, I mean, to your mind, what it is to be a journalist, not just in terms of operating in these situations, but even speaking of the ethics of it. Okay. For example, even earlier on, you mentioned something about, I don't like writing in the first person. You're very conscious, in other words, of this is what journalists do and this is what journalists do not do or are not supposed to do. We're not supposed to cross certain lines. But on at least one occasion, well, you did. Yes. You did cross a line. Don't you did intervene. Every choice someone you make, you have to live with yourself. Eh? I think, I'm not sure if we're referring to the same situation. Uh, ito ba yung pagpunta sa police station? Yes. Mm-mm. You, if I remember right, you literally jumped out of bed because somebody messaged you. Diba? Pumunta ka dun. Pumunta ka dun sa... Pumunta ka dun sa station because they got this kid. Yeah. But what I really want to ask you is not why did you do that. The real question I want to ask is, sa totoo lang, di ba? How could you not? And it's not just you. You describe the scene where the night shift reporters who went to that uh, station where there was that uh, cell hidden behind a, a bookshelf. And inside were more than a dozen people crammed in there for days with no toilet, with no window. You mm. you weren't even there. I wasn't there. But you wrote about it, and, and in reading about it, you could feel the anger of everybody else there, the photojournalists. And ang, ang tanong, I guess, is, Hoy, over those past six years, seeing all of these situations, the real question to you guys is, well, how could you not? How could you not feel the need to act there and then? I ask myself that often in that if you can pick out areas of intervention, those are rare areas for me, very, very rare. Um, there, There's a journalist, a photojournalist, Ezra Akayan, a good guy, fantastic photographer and brilliant on the field. And I was interviewing him once for Rappler. It was a profile on press freedom. And he said, I am a human first before I'm a journalist. Um, with me, I'm not sure. I think I'm a journalist first. So that's, that is how I survive. In that regardless of whether the old rules of journalism don't apply, like you don't, you don't pay for a funeral you do not intervene unless intervention is absolutely required. Um, I follow those rules because I need rules. Because for me, if not, I'm ako. And um, that's a personal thing. But if you take those incidents and say, how could you not? I understand you. Imagine all the incidents that you could still ask that question, how could you not? And I didn't. So um, there were areas where I, sh- I could have helped. There were things I could have paid for. But in my head, then I won't be a journalist anymore. And I needed that line to survive. I needed to know they're talking to me because they want to talk to me, to tell a story. That's always the, the bargaining. You listen. And someone else tells the story. 
And the commitment is do it as honestly and ethically as possible. But that's all you give. You make no other promises. And there are many journalists who have crossed the line. And you'll always say, how could they not? They did the right thing. They were human first at that moment. So um, if nothing else, I, I do not deserve any sort of admiration for what I did to intervene given how much intervention was necessary at that time and how many journalists dug deep and found it in themselves to intervene. If there's any sort of intervention I offer, it's this book. In the middle of my conversation with Patricia, I recalled how in the middle of the Duterte administration, Puma Podcast came out with a documentary series called Tokhang sa Tokhang. In one episode, I recalled, I spoke with photojournalist Rafi Lerma, and he spoke about how their stories and the normalization of the reports on violence were also affecting society. Let's face it, minsan, yung reporting rin natin, maybe naging problema rin siya. It is already normal, di ba? Hindi dapat na normal eh. Nakikita mo yung maraming tao, video shows lang. Some are even laughing. There was one time nga, palagang nag-snap ako. I had to reprimand some people because they were taking selfies. Near a dead body na para, ano pa ba yan? Selfie kayo. I remember, sang Halloween, then people were decorating their houses with garbage bags wrapped imitating yung mga dead bodies dump. Nakakatawa ba ito? You can find Tokhang sa Tokhang on Spotify or kung saan man kayo pumapodcast. In the meantime, I continued my conversation with Patricia. And I remember Rafi of course, we talked about his photograph that got um, uh, that got Duterte all riled up. And he's describing the scene, and he says, to this day, he remembers circling that scene, that woman cradling her husband. And while he's taking the picture, he remembers what she kept saying. And I said, what was it that she kept saying? But photojournalists were were busy taking pictures. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think I I think all of us have variations of that story. I remember there was a crime scene. I think it was a place called um Cessna. Um it's a small village. Uh, and then, and then, may patay. At uh, dumating yung mga kapatid, nagmumura. Dumating yung nanay, humihiyaw. And then, I was standing by the side, and medyo irita ako kasi grabe yung saksakan ng microphone sa, sa mukha ng nanay. Na parang sandali lang, tao naman yan. And then maya-maya, nakita ko yung anak ng mama. Dumating, upo dun sa tabi ni Shomiak. Upo lang. Uh, ako yung lumapit. 
Kasi, nisip ko, story eh. And then in my head, I kept thinking, I'm no better. Lalo na, dun sa nanay, humihiyaw, putaksakan ng mga microphone, sinisigaw yung mga tanong, adik ba yung anak mo? Ano ba ginawa niya? Ano pangalan niya? I was sitting in judgment, but my recorder was still rolling. They asked the questions for me. So, yun yung ano eh, yun yung, yun yung sayo eh. Uh, how far are you willing to go? And what right do you have to sit on ju- in judgment of anyone? Kasi ikaw rin nandun eh. I don't want to be party f- to this, but I also need to be here. How much can I do without causing harm? And I don't know. I You have to square it with your own conscience every time. And I think all of us have had, if not this reckoning, another reckoning. It's been a long six, seven years. One thing journalists always fall back on, and I think it's valid, is that, well, you need to be there. We need to document. And to that end, a lot of people like you really did a heroic job, I think. And in the book, you consciously credit so many journalists, photojournalists especially, the right crawlers na tinatawag. You mentioned that there was always assurance and strength in numbers, you, you, that you move in packs. But at the same time, did you in fact feel that there was not enough journalists enough of the time? Of course. Over those last six years? Because there was so much dead. And when you have as a reporter to make a judgment call, which one makes it to a story? That's, that's already a terrible thing, right? In a night with eight, nine dead, for me, my capacity is just one. So uh, it was phenomenal to work with some of the bravest journalists I've seen. But I always felt it, there was such a great need just to physically cover everything. I'm grateful that there were as many of us then, actually. I just, I guess it would have been more comforting if there was more. Were you disappointed that there was not more? No. Or did you even have time well, to think, think about it? Ano yun eh, palo ng palo eh. So, sir, this is a voluntary job. I, I don't know about any of the other houses, but I knew most of the people I worked with not only volunteered, they fought for it. Pero alam ko na may mga iba that ayaw na payagan. Tumuloy pa rin. Lumipat ng trabaho or nag-freelance or kung ano man. Diba? Kasi importante sa kanila. But I also know that every, every news agency had limited resources. It were under threat for what they were doing. And some of them paid for it. When you were near to completing it and you had that confidence, ito na, kaya ko na, matatapos na yung libro. Was there... Any emotion, any direction, uh, any impact that you were reaching for? What do you mean? Hope, assurance, anger. Huwag niyong kakalimutan to, mabuisit kayo. Healing. I mean, was there anything among those that you were consciously hoping this book might achieve? Well... The premise is not quite correct. I was never finished with the book. 
they had to rip it out of my hands. As in, kawawa random house sa akin, nagahabol ako ng, 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 I was shoving sentences in, I was trying to move around commas, paragraphs, all the way to the day they said, i-imprenta na tayo. Di pa ako tapos. There was never really any moment when I thought tapos na ano sunod. But if I wanted people to take away something from this, for me, unahin ko muna yung akin, what I, I took away from it was hindi wala lang ang sinasabi ng isang tao. May implikasyon. Pwedeng magkaroon ng implikasyon. Now I can't, I can't stop looking at things through that lens. Na, oh, sinabi niya yan, ano sunod? Ano implikasyon? Ano ibig sabihin ng salita? Hindi na yun mawawala sa akin. Dati, I was just interested in language. Because I looked at, you know, I, I like stories. I like other people's stories. I like telling them. But now, I, I cannot look at any anything without thinking what is the implication. And if there's anything I want people to take away from this, language matters. It can kill people. And you can never say, all I did was tell a story. Did you think, or do you think now, that a book like this would ever have such a thing as a perfect time to publish? Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're journalists, so we're, we're trained to find the peg, right? You'll find a, an excuse, you'll find a, an angle making it newsworthy. Mm-mm. Like your book, for example, is coming out um, basically just about a week before November 1, mm-hmm. All Souls Day. Mm-hmm. If you take the last two years, would there have been mm-hmm. a perfect time to publish? I don't know if there's a right time. I think all I was gunning for was have the record on print. It's a, it's a rolling story. But there is collective trauma that a whole generation ngayon is raised in an environment where there's violence and impunity and predation. And that's not where I grew up. I grew up believing that, that uh, extraordinary, terrible things are extraordinary. And when they do happen, we all say, oh, ang sama naman nung nangyari. Paano pigilan yan? Or sino may kasalanan? But in the aftermath of the Duterte administration, even in the early days, Oh, nangyari nga, okay lang. Kasi dapat pinapatay yung mga tao na yan eh. So, that's the universe where so many kids will, will grow up. They're the sons and daughters of the people who were killed. They're the sons and daughters of the killers. They're, they're, they're the kids who, pag nasa kali kami, or nasa basketball court, or nasa highway at may patay na katawan, sila yung mga bata na nanonood sa amin, na nagko-hover na tinitignan yung mga polis, pinupulot yung mga, yung mga bala. Yung iba gusto maging polis at nag-aabol sa isa't isa na may barel na plastic. Yung iba gusto maging social worker or human rights lawyers. Yung iba, pag nakatayo ka sa kanto, sa labas ng Jollibee, malapit sa pupuntahan namin na lamay, kumakanta. At yung kanta nila, may putang ina at sana patayin. Variations of that. So, and some of them, will quit school kasi natatakot sila kung hindi sila mag-quit ng school, yung nanay nila babarilin at wala sila doon. So, it's a whole generation with with this sort of foundation. Um, all I can do is, is write it down. 
And is there a perfect time for that? I don't know. I, I'm just glad it's out there. I wish I could have done better. I wish, I hope it is compelling enough for people to read. But if nothing else, there's a record. What do you fret about? Across the war, I was afraid. And every day, I'm still afraid. Did I do it wrong? Did something I wrote put someone at risk? Um, did I frame a sentence badly that it would be understood differently? It's from the very small to, to, to the very large. The only relief in it is that it's done. There's nothing I can do. And across five years, there was always something I could do. I could delete a chapter. I could make the phone call and verify something. Now I can't do anything. So what do I fret about? I fret about everything. Anong pinakamabigat na isipin? When my phone rings and it's an unknown number, takot ako na ang tumatawag asawa o kapatid o anak ng source ko at sasabihin binaril. Dahil sa sinulat ko. Yun yun. Yun yun. There is an imagined scene where the whole book, and for that matter, I would say 50 years of Philippine history, crystallizes. Ninoy says the Filipino is worth dying for. Duterte says the Filipino is worth killing for. I think that really has been the whole debate this whole time. Which side do you think is winning at this point? I actually don't think they're that different. Only because if you parse what Ninoy said, what he said, the Filipino is worth dying for. That worth is important. He said, I'm pulling the book out. Um, he said, I have carefully weighed the virtues and the faults of the Filipino. And I have come to the conclusion he is worth dying for. The Filipino is brave. The Filipino values life. The Filipino is patient, is dignified, is good. And I'm paraphrasing here already. But he said the Filipino is deserving of the sacrifice quote because he is the nation's great untapped resource. He has a standard for which Filipino is worth dying for. There's a virtue required. With Duterte, those who lack particular virtues or those who can, who can exemplify particular evils, those are the ones you should kill. So in as much as Ninoy isn't willing to kill, both of them look at people depending on their virtues and their faults. And that determines whether you are willing to sacrifice for them or whether you're willing to kill them. But I thought that was the pertinent thing. If you look at the language, we need to be valuable to be worth something. And the argument of the war is that some people need killing. It is, when I heard a vigilante say that to me, it, 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 
there was a shock of recognition. This is what's been asked. This is what is being said. So for me, that closing, that epilogue where I put them side by side, um, it's not as a function of um, to, to emphasize great evil with great good. It is to emphasize that that wherever side you stand, the fact of being a person seems not to be enough to be worthy. Mm. The operative word is it's worth. worth. It's virtue. It's value. It's not Filipino is worth dying is is worth dying for. It's whether they're worth. That's the question, right? What if Ninoy? in his wing of virtues and faults of the Filipino, said, you know what? They don't deserve my life. I'm not saying anyone deserves his life. I'm not saying I, anyone deserves to die for me. I'm saying in the final judgment of whether anyone deserves anything, the answer seems to be worth. The other thing that is, parang napatigil ako, is... And I realized that Marcos and then Marcos, they will account for more than three decades by the time Bongbong Marcos' term is over. The two Aquinos will account for 12. Duterte only accounted for six. Yes. And yet. Yes. And yet. Right? Mm-hmm. His, his, we know that his effect and his having... Yes. Injured our culture and society, and the impact of that will continue into the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Well, he is larger than life. Um, and that's how he framed himself anyway. So it's not surprising that's the impact. I'm not sure how much time we had left, we have left, pero I was thinking as an answer to that, I could read to you a paragraph and then. It, it, it'll establish at the very least where we stand in this whole Marcos, Duterte, Aquino, the eternal refrain of the last 30 or so years. Forget that their name is Marcos. Forget that their name is Duterte. Forget that their name is Aquino. Duterte the first begat Duterte the second. Aquino the second begat Aquino the third. Marcos the first begat Marcos the second begat Marcos the third president begetting presidents begetting vice presidents rotating and revolving and rotating again. Their names live in airports and amphitheaters on paper bills and street signs along the highways where the corpses are still being found. Forget the names of their sons and daughters and remember their dead instead. So if nothing else I would like other names to be remembered. More than 40,000 people, they say, may have perished. And a lot of those names, we don't even know. And within that universe, it's just the universe of everybody else that you interacted with. If you consider all the lives whose paths you crossed, I mean, how short is that list? And how long should that list be? I think that this should be very, very long. And I think every name should not be reduced to a sentence. 
these were entire lives. And we keep talking about it, the bigness of Marcos and Duterte and Aquino, all these grand, large names that are on tarpaulins and highways. But the dead, they're outsized too in the lives that they left behind. The impact on families and communities are enormous. In the same way you lose a father or a daughter or a son. So it should be a long list and everyone should be able to tell their stories. And I hope to have honored the people who trusted me with theirs. Where are they now? They are home. They are aware this book is coming out. And I hope it serves them well. I don't know how to phrase this uh, purely as a question, but it is intended as a question. Let me hide, therefore, behind everybody else who will read this book. And I think they will have... um, common takeaways. They will have the takeaway of this is an important book. I think people will agree that you have done a great service, that you are courageous, that you stand for a lot of people who are also courageous, that you are just one of of many people, um, journalists, activists, advocates, human rights workers who tried to to chronicle and to document and to fight. I, but there will also be, I think, this shared thinking as people read this book and as they put it down at the end. You must need therapy. That is possible. I never went through it. Um, I haven't tried. I the the book is an exercise in looking at the inside of people's minds. It's just it includes my mind. And there were days where my editor would go, "But what did you feel on the field?" And my answer would be, "I had no feelings because I wasn't allowed them." So. I understand that people who do what I do um, are at risk for for many things, uh, including the demons in the inside of your own mind, you know, um, and and the, the the guilt layers over it. Maybe because I'm Catholic or was Catholic. Maybe because I'm Filipino. I don't know. Um, uh, I know that there is a reckoning at some point with the inside of my own head. Um, the launching of the book is, is, is good. But there's no after the book yet in my head. I don't know if the question is, do I think I need therapy or, Pat, you should go to therapy? Um, I'm not against the idea. And... That might be important in the aftermath of this. Right now, I'm just trying to survive it. 
Patricia Evangelista's Some People Need Killing is out now. In the Philippines, you can try to get your hands on early limited copies at Fully Booked. You can also try from online booksellers. It's available as well in ebook formats. Ako po si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you appreciated this episode, pakishare din sa mga kaibigan nyo. And follow Teka Teka and Puma Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kung saan man kayo Puma Podcast. You can catch our episodes on YouTube as well. Links to Tokhang sa Tokhang are available in the episode description or just look for Tokhang sa Tokhang wherever you get your podcasts. Maraming maraming salamat po.